0: Part 11 of 2 Corinthians. If you've been with us, you know that we've been walking through the book of 2 Corinthians for now. This is our 11th week, so almost three months. We'll be at least another month on this because we believe in teaching the Word of God. We believe in finding out exactly what God's Word is speaking to us. And Paul wrote this letter to the Corinthians as a way of saying, hey, good job in correcting some of the issues. Paul had written a couple difficult letters in the past, speaking to sexual sin that was in the church, speaking to false teachers that had come into the church, and it was a hard letter. It caused some pain, but yet the people in Corinth adjusted their thinking and realigned themselves with the will of God, and Paul is kind of saying, thank you. He's still teaching them. Still giving warnings, but he's saying, thank you. And we're going to talk about that a little bit. Last week, we talked about cleaning the house, or cleaning our house. And we talked about how we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We're the temple of God. As a believer in Jesus Christ, we are God's temple. His Spirit dwells in us. If you're not a believer, you don't have to worry about that. But as believers, God's Spirit is living in us. This is not possession. We have control over our lives. We are not possessed like some movies. Our heads aren't going to spin. It's not crazy, wacky stuff like that. But here's the thing. The creator of the universe, his spirit lives in us. He guides us. He directs us. He moves us towards being like him. And that's a pretty awesome thing. Now, last week, 2 Corinthians, and we ended with chapter 7, verse 1, because we were talking about cleaning out the temple, getting sin Out of our lives. This is what chapter 7, verse 1 says, Because we have the promises, dear friends, let us cleanse ourselves from everything that can defile our body and spirit. And let us work towards complete holiness because we fear God. Moving towards complete holiness. Holiness means being set apart. God is holy because he's set apart from sin. God and sin can't dwell together. And as the temple of God, when we sin, we need God to forgive us of that sin and to clean it out of our lives. Now, God has a lot of grace, and He knows that we still sin. And so, it's up to us to work with God and to work with the Holy Spirit to get that sin out of our lives. That's cleaning house. We're not perfect, but we're moving towards that mark. We're moving towards that place. Some of us are closer than others, to looking like Jesus. So we're going to kind of continue that conversation a little bit, and we're actually going to skip a few verses, but you'll get the understanding. We're going to skip over some of the verses where Paul's talking about Titus and the things that he was doing, and it's not really relevant to the message today and what I think Paul wants us to learn from this, but I want to look at verses 10 through 13 of chapter 7 for the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation there's no regret for that kind of sorrow but worldly sorrow which lacks repentance results in spiritual death just see what this godly sorrow produces in you such earnestness such concern to clear yourself such indignation such alarm such longing to see me such zeal and such readiness to, to punish wrong you showed that you have done everything necessary to make things right my purpose then was not to write about who did the wrong or who was wronged i wrote to you so that in the sight of god you could see for yourselves how loyal you are to us we have been greatly encouraged by this so remember i told you paul wrote some difficult letters that addressed addressed sexual sin Addressed false prophets and, and, and pastors and ministers that were coming in that were building themselves up and not really preaching about, about Jesus, but they were preaching more about how great they were. And so they were saying bad things about Paul. Paul was very firm and even somewhat, would, some would say harsh, in his letters to them. And it produced sorrow in them. But it says it produced sorrow that led them away from their sin and towards salvation. That's godly sorrow. You know, when we're confronted with our sin, it should produce sorrow in our lives. But see, the other side, the worldly sorrow, it says it lacks repentance. And that's almost, I I would say, even prideful anger. Like, how dare you point out sin to me? How dare you? You're a sinner. Why are you coming at me like this? And there's no repentance, and it says that that leads in spiritual death. I don't know about you, but I'm not fond of spiritual death. I want to be led towards holiness, towards relationship with God. So Paul was firm. So let me ask you this question how do you deal with things when you're confronted with your own sin whether it's by somebody like a pastor or a friend that confronts you with your sin maybe it's the holy spirit you know that's part of the job of the holy spirit is to bring conviction the word tells us that nobody comes to jesus without the conviction of the holy spirit he will convict us that feeling that we sometimes talk about our conscience, sometimes that's the Holy Spirit speaking to us like you shouldn't do that whoa well, buddy you lingered a little too long looking at that girl as she walked by Well, you don't really want to take that that's stealing those checks in your spirit or it can be the word of God you can be reading the word of God and see something in there and go you know what I'm not doing that in my life I'm missing it here. God, forgive me. So when we're confronted from our own sin, how do you react? What do you do? And I know some of you are sitting at home with your spouse or a friend or whomever. This isn't necessarily a time to point at them and say, well, yeah, I know what you do. That's not this time. It's time for us to look in. It's not time for us to think about how somebody else responds. Have you ever done that? I've sat in church and I've heard a message and I'll be like, man, that message is awesome. So-and-so needs to hear that message and never take care of it in my own life because I'm so self-righteous and not dealing with what's inside of me. I'm thinking about what somebody else is doing. So the first point today, if you take the time to download the notes or look at them on the screen, is uh, confrontation reveals our condition confrontation reveals our condition so what do i mean by that so if you're familiar with a dam a dam holds like a river back and creates maybe a lake or whatever to kind of reduce flooding or there's a lot of reasons that they have dams or it could be there for to to produce electricity to let enough water flow through so it will produce electricity but a, a dam holds back water Well, a dam has a considerable amount of pressure on it all the time. What happens when the concrete in that dam begins to weaken and begins to crack? You start to see water pouring through, squirting through. So when that happens, the people, the engineers have to come in and repair that area or the dam is going to burst and it's gonna flood the entire area. They had a dam burst in Michigan earlier this year, flooded a whole area, Midland, Michigan. Years ago when Katrina hit New Orleans, the levees broke and water flooded. So when there's this pressure on a dam, it reveals the weakness that's in that concrete over time or if you're in a boat, the pressure from the water can come through areas in a boat and reveal weakness. If you don't take care of those things, in a dam's case, it's going to flood the area. In a boat's place, it's going to allow water in and sink the boat. But both of those things need to be dealt with. It reveals our condition. So when we're under pressure, when we're confronted with our sin, and we're under the pressure of the Holy Spirit in our lives, that conviction, it reveals the weak points in our lives. It reveals the sin in our lives. It reveals the greed, lust, inappropriate use of anger. You know, anger in itself isn't sin, but what we do with it can be. Rage. You ever seen somebody that seems like they're so pent up with emotion and they get pressure on them and they just explode at everybody? Maybe you've been that person. You've got a lot going at work. Maybe your finances aren't going well. There's a lot of pressure at work. Um, maybe there's pressure in your home. Things aren't going well. And all that pressure, and all of a sudden, you start lashing out at every person that comes by you. And you don't mean it. They didn't do anything wrong, but you snap at them. That pressure reveals something that's inside of you. It reveals the condition of where you're at. Maybe you haven't slept well. Maybe you haven't prayed well and spent time with God and and dealt with those things the right way. There's always going to be stress and pressure. But what we do when it reveals our weak spots determines whether we're moving away from sin or moving towards spiritual death. Away from sin leads to salvation. Arrogance and pride and saying, forget it, I'm not going to do anything with it, leads to death. It's pretty tough, isn't it? So, remember, verse 10 said, God wants us to experience, or the sorrow that God wants us to experience leads us towards salvation. But the one that has no regret, the worldly sorrow leads to death. I want to continue with this idea. If you know there's a crack in your life, if you know there's a hole, if you know there's a hole in the dam, you're going to take care of it but when you don't listen to those who are around you if, you, if there's pride in your life and you're like, forget it, I'm not going to do that. You can't tell me what to do. Stop being self-righteous. I mean, there's a scripture about that, about you know, taking the, the log out of your own eye before you get the splinter out of another's. And it's talking about us being self-righteous and pointing out sins to everybody. But when we confront somebody with sin out of love and say, hey, man, I, I, I just want you to know I see some things and, it, and it's changing you and I just want to pray with you. And that, that's a different than saying, man, you're just being a jerk. You need to deal with that. There's different ways of dealing with those things. But what happens when we refuse to repent? Listen, Proverbs 29.1 says this, Whoever stubbornly refuses to accept criticism will suddenly be destroyed beyond recovery. Did you get that? Whoever stubbornly refuses to accept criticism will suddenly be destroyed beyond recovery. Nobody likes criticism. Nobody likes the pressure. Nobody likes to be told what they're doing wrong. We don't like it. But if we don't listen to it, if we don't hear what God's speaking to us in those moments and we don't change a correct course, we're going to be destroyed. I don't know about you, but I don't really want the fierce anger of God to be turned on me. But you know, if we stand before God one day, and we have ignored sin in our lives, and we have just said, oh, well, God's forgiven me, I'm fine, but we've ignored sin in our lives, I have to think that God's gonna, we're gonna stand before Him, and He's not gonna be too happy. There is a lot of grace A lot of grace through Jesus we all sin this is not what that's about it's about our heart the condition of our heart are we holding on to sin out of our own selfishness and pride or are we doing everything we can to live a life of holiness to be set apart for God dealing with sin as we find out about it doing everything in our power to allow the Holy Spirit to cleanse our lives that's really the difference the grace of God is pretty awesome. See, that's where the flip side of this coin comes in. That's where when we give our sins over to God, He will forgive us. I want you to look at 1 John 1.9. It says, But if we confess our sins to Him, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us from all wickedness. That's pretty awesome, isn't it? says, if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. We are to turn away from those sins and then he will cleanse us. See, the opposite of that is Romans 2.5. five says, because you are stubborn and refuse to turn from your sin, you're storing up terrible punishment for yourselves. For a day of anger is coming and God's righteous Judgment will be revealed. You see the two sides of the coin? If we are stubborn and refuse to turn from our sin, the anger of God will come against us. But if we will confess our sins to Him, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. Which do you want? What is so important to you that you would rather have the anger of God come against you than the forgiveness and faithfulness of God in your life. But yet, people choose all the time. People choose to live a sinful life fully knowing that they're sinning against God because out of their own selfishness and pride, they don't want to give that up. I don't have it in the notes today, but if you remember the story of that's called commonly known as the rich young ruler, it's in the Gospels, when a a very wealthy young man comes to Jesus and says to him, you know, what do I have to do to be saved? I've kept the law. I've done all these things. And Jesus said, that's great. You've done that now. Sell everything you have. Give it to the poor and come follow me. And the young man just kind of shook his head and walked away. That wasn't necessarily dealing with sin, but his response was, I'd rather have my wealth than to sell it all and give it away and follow you. That's selfishness. That is sin. Now, we don't know what happened to that young man. He might have went home and thought about it, and the Holy Spirit could have convicted him, and he could have went and sold it all and followed Jesus. We don't know. God's grace. The Word tells us that because of His grace and His great mercy, He holds back returning so that more of us can come to know Him. That's the whole reason Jesus hasn't come back yet. So how we respond to the pressure and the confrontation of sin reveals where our heart is. Reveals the condition of our heart. Proverbs 28, 13. The last thing I'm going to say on this point. People who conceal their sins will not prosper. But if they confess and turn from them, they will receive mercy. Do you want mercy today? I want mercy. I've told you guys time and time again, one of the things that I struggle with the most right now is my attitude towards telemarketers and people that tell me no. I'm like, you can't tell me no. I'll, I'll get mad. I'll respond poorly. And I have to repent of those things. I want the mercy of God in my life. So the second thing and the last thing today is confession brings healing. Confession brings healing. So we have that confrontation that reveals the cracks in our heart and our lives where things are getting through, where the enemy's getting through. Again, if they don't take care of the dam, it's going to burst and all is going to be lost. But if they take care of it, it heals that dam. And I know healing is kind of weird when you talk about it that way. But that's in essence what it's doing. It's healing that dam so that it works properly. And a lot of times those places where they fix things, like when you break a bone... Where that broken bone is, when it heals, is stronger than it was before. Confession brings healing. James 5.16 says this, Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. We're to confess our sins to each other. Now, we're not to put it on a t-shirt, name badge, or anything like that, and... Shout it to the world. When you're confessing your sins to somebody, you're going to a mature spiritual believer and asking them to pray with you about your sin. That's where that confession comes in. When we confess our sins to God, we're saying, God, this is where I'm at. This is who I am. I'm broken. I'm hurting. I'm lost. Please forgive me of these sins. And this is what it says. Pray for each other so that you may be healed. When we pray for each other and for our sin, the sins of each other, we're praying for healing. We're praying that God will heal that sin of their lives. Sins like cancer, and if it's un- not dealt with, it's going to spread throughout our lives. Or just like that crack spot in the dam, when it bursts, it just goes everywhere. And the damage is much bigger than if they would deal with it right when they find the crack. No one likes to confess their sins. No one likes to admit they're broken or that they've sinned against God. It brings us sorrow, but it's that sorrow that leads to salvation. Now, I'm going to bring a word of caution. Some people like to confess their sins like it's their identity. It's like every week they have a new list of sins and it becomes a little bit of who they are. That's not what we need. We're not confessing to get attention. We're confessing to get forgiveness towards salvation. That's our motivation, is we want to become more like Jesus. And if there's sin in our lives, we're not like Jesus, and we need to confess it and become more like Him. To move towards Him. That's our goal today. That sorrow brings joy, it brings salvation, it brings peace with God. Have you ever held something in and tried to hide it from somebody? And you try to hide it, and the longer you try to hide it, the more you have to either lie or avoid or all those things. And the longer you hide it, the worse it gets, and it just builds and builds and builds until either, one, you finally confess it, but it's harder to deal with because the crack's gotten so big. Or, everything bursts and it's just out there. That pressure inside you just slowly eats away. Yeah, there's going to be pain and sorrow, but that pain and sorrow is temporary. The results are eternal life that, are, that, that comes from the healing from God. Salvation. Eternity with Him. So, confession brings Healing. There will be relief that we're not holding these things back. There will be relief that we just put it all on the table. We're sinners. We're broken. We're, but we're under the blood of Jesus. We've confessed those sins to Him, and He's forgiven us, and He's faithful to do it. It's awesome. Look at Paul's words in 2 Corinthians 11-13, through 13, the last part of, of this. It says, just just see what god's what godly sorrow produces in you such earnestness such concern to clear yourselves such indignation such alarm such longing to see me paul's talking to them about how they responded to his letter such zeal such readiness to punish wrong you showed that you have done everything necessary to make things right my purpose then was not to write to you about what uh or who did wrong, or who was wronged, I wrote to you so that in the sight of God you could see yourselves for yourselves how loyal you are to us. We have been greatly encouraged. Paul was encouraged because his letter was received with the intent that he had for them, and their confession and their dealing with the sin brought them to a place of joy and peace. Not only with God, but with Paul. So let's wrap this up today. There are going to be times in our lives when we're going to be confronted with sin. You might be confronted with sin daily. And as you grow in your relationship with God, that confrontation may be a little bit further and further apart. There may be things that slip back in. But when you're confronted with sin, deal with it. Deal with it then. Don't let it grow. Don't let it come to a place where it finally explodes. But deal with it right then. It will be much easier to deal with immediately than it would be down the road. If we're stubborn and refuse to repent, then we're going to deal with the wrath of God. Nobody wants that. I don't think anybody here can stand up to God. Nobody wants to deal with the wrath of God. This isn't a hellfire and brimstone message, turn or burn or anything like that, but it's true. Those things are true that if we don't turn from our sin and repent and turn towards Him, our eternity is not going to be good or pleasant. It's not going to be a party in hell with our friends, despite what ACDC says. I know I dated myself a little bit, but there are a few people on here that'll know what I'm talking about. Please, confess your sins to one another. You can click on the pray button and a private message will come up and you can say, hey, I've been struggling with addiction and struggling with pornography. I've been, you can put in the blanks. Will you pray with me? And as hard as that is and as painful as that is, it leads to healing. That's what I want. I'm not here to scare you into heaven, I'm here to reveal to you that there's a way to get there through the blood of Jesus Christ, and it starts with our confession, it starts with us realizing that there are cracks in our lives, and we need to deal with it. And if you're a believer, those cracks can still show up, and we need to deal with it, but you already know that God will forgive you and save you, you're not, look, we're not 20 years ago, you came to church and everybody expected you to be perfect, it was terrible. We're not putting on a show. None of us are perfect. Confess your sins. Right now, I want you to take a minute. If there's something you need to confess, confess it. Before God, before maybe somebody that you've wronged. If you can't get to them right now, make a note that you're gonna do it later. But don't let a moment slip by. I'm praying right now that the Holy Spirit's conviction upon your life, that feeling, that restlessness that's inside, that's just saying, man, I wish this guy would shut up and stop talking about this because it's making me really uncomfortable. Don't let the enemy win. Don't flip this off just because I'm at prayer time, but allow what's happening in your life and what the Holy Spirit's doing inside of you right now to draw you closer to Him. That's all he wants. He doesn't want to make you feel like you're a beaten down dog. He wants to heal you so that you can be closer to him. So you can have joy and peace. That's what God wants. That's the love of God. It's not to put you down. It's to build you up. But if your pride and your unrepentance gets in the way, he can't do it. He's a gentleman. So confess it now. i give you just a few seconds to pray. And then I'll close this out. Father, I come before you right now and I pray that you would take the sins that's in our lives, that you would wipe them away, that you'd fix those cracks in our heart. Lord, that you would forgive us of anger, rage, bitterness, lust, malice, foul language, sexual sin pride, Lord, that you would take those out of our lives, that you would rip that cancer out of our lives, and that you would heal our hearts today. Lord, make us more like you, Jesus. Fill us with your Holy Spirit, I pray. We thank you for your healing touch. We thank you. that you love us that much. And Lord, I pray right now for those that haven't confessed their sins, for those that that are resisting this, Lord, I pray that you make them so uncomfortable through the Holy Spirit that they have no choice but to turn to you. Lord, we love you and thank you. and We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Feel free to continue to pray. Feel free to continue to talk to those of us on the chat that are praying with you. I want to say thank you again for joining us today. Make sure that you let us know that you were here. Make sure that if you're a first-time guest, please give us your information so that we can follow up with you. We'd love to connect with you. We'd love to buy you a cup of coffee. We love you. We appreciate you. We're doing life together. You're not alone. We'll see you next week. Bye.